Checking the ephemeris, I'm Jasmine. And bending like a sapling in the wind, I'm Melz. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week we're covering Season 2, Episode 21, sometimes known as The Night of Decision, or Miss Twin Peaks, or as we're calling it, Miss Twin Peaks, because two titles is enough. Listeners, when something you care about is in danger, you must fight to save it or lose it forever. Now let's rock. This episode first aired on June 10th, 1991. It was written by Barry Pullman and directed by Tim Hunter. I have a hot take for you, Mel's. Uh-oh, oh, I'm this, ready. This show is awesome. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely. Was that that hot of a take? No, though? I was just I about know. to say, obviously not a very hot take. Maybe a lukewarm take. Maybe it's a cold <laughs> take. I don't even know. But that's just my my first impression, overall thoughts was just like, this show is awesome. And yeah. anybody who doesn't agree, sorry, like, see you later, hater. But this show is fucking great. This episode proves it. This episode was so exciting. I mean, that ending sequence is something that has always stayed with me. I mean, it's something that I just, I always remember about the end of season two. I can never quite remember where it comes into play, but I know it's there. But it's different when you watch it again. Uh, like we were saying before we started recording, it is edge of your seat, anxiety inducing. You are doing the David Lynch hand forehead movement because it's so <laughs> stressful. You are cracking knuckles, you are sweating, but it just like packs such a punch. And the pacing leading up to it is so much fun. So great episode, super excited, obviously bittersweet because we are so near the end. Oh, my gosh, when we got to the last 10 minutes of this episode, I I had to close my eyes for some <laughs> of it because I was like, I can't. What is going on here? I mean, obviously, I knew like what was happening, but I just was like the frenzy, the chaos. It was so perfect. It was wonderful. And also, yeah, like when I pulled up Hulu to, you know, watch the episode and I it really hit me because it's almost like um when you have something that is some big event, let's say that's going to happen, but you keep saying, oh, that's just a few weeks from now. Then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh no, that's like next week. Yes. Well, that's how I felt when I pulled it up and I was like, episode 21, only <laughs> one more left. It's and wild. I was like devastated, but mm -hmm. I, was, I pulled myself together. I watched it as if it wasn't almost the end. And, uh, Oh boy, what a wild ride this episode truly is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, I know. And you know what? We have this episode to cover and we have one more. So we still have the time to spend with these episodes. So let's not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get too sad. I know, I know. I know. You're right. I got to real, I, you know what? You always <laughs> good, like centering me 
<laughs> right back. Yes, I'm reeled right back in. Great. Perfection. Happy to help. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some damn fine facts. Let's talk about an ephemeris. Now, woo-wee. you know that it is just uh, like engines. Uh, what am I trying to say? Coop really swing, revs. Swing, swing, swing. Swing, swing, Coop really revs my engine when he says the word ephemeris. I literally melt into a puddle every single time. But it's always so hilarious to see what he's referring to because what he pulls out is not an ephemeris. I mean, maybe it's like a very ancient style of ephemeris, but what he has essentially looks like a star map. And I don't mean like, where does Brad Pitt live? I mean, a map of the constellations. Uh, An ephemeris is essentially a table full of data that just has planets and degrees. And it just gives you basic information day by day what degree a planet is at. It does not have constellation and constellation names all over it. So I'm not sure what Coop is referring to in the episode, but it's I love it regardless. And, you know, we talked about last week, the idea that there wasn't a a Jupiter Saturn conjunction anyways in 1989. So perhaps even ephemerides are different in Twin Peaks. Like, I'd be okay with that. Maybe that's how they read the ephemeris there. All right, next up. In the original script, speaking of the conjunction, in the original script, the conjunction was going to take place at midnight on the day of the episode, not this sort of ambiguous period that Coop mentions from January to June, because that's not really a thing. Like, the planets might be close for that period of time, but typically a conjunction is a, you know, we'll say it's exact on such and such a date at this time. So usually you have a more specific date to go from. But what I did like about that is that that January to June timeline meant that it was probably going to be exact somewhere in March or April, which is kind of where we are in the timeline of the show, specifically like the end of March, right? And there's a lot more details I could get into. I'm going to save some of that for the actual scene. Okay. So next up, Kimmy Robertson, who plays Lucy, she was actually a former dancer. So her talent at Miss Twin Peaks makes total sense now. And I thought she was actually very good. I I loved that little routine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and this is no surprise to me because I was like, there's, okay, there's no awkward, like, you can tell it's a stunt someone that's, like, doing these. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, you when you're only there, seeing you their see feet that or, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you go, Kimmy. You are talented. And yeah. I wish that my body could do the things that you were doing <laughs> in that episode, okay? <laughs> and I thought she looked great, too. The whole outfit and the little garter belt with, like, the money in it. I mean, good for Lucy. Yeah. And, okay, final damn fine fact for the week. This one hurts my heart a little bit. This is our final appearance from Piper Laurie as Catherine Martell. We all know I've had my problems with Catherine a little bit here and there throughout the seasons, but I've really, really enjoyed her lately and overall, and I'm going to miss her. We're going to miss you, Kath. Kath. I hate to say goodbye to you, but the memories will always be there. I can Mm -hmm. always watch you anytime that I want. That's right. Yes, I can just watch the last episode and see you again. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it. That's damn fine facts. All right. Well, let's jump into Miss Twin Peaks, shall we? Mm -hmm. 
Leo and Garland are trapped by Wyndham, and thanks to all those visits at the gym, Leo is able to stretch and reach <laughs> the keys. Wyndham returns and is pissed that Garland is gone. Also, is Wyndham a vampire now? <laughs> what has Wyndham been up to? I want that. Where scene. have you been? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know where he's been. I want to know where he's getting that lipstick or that mouth dye. Does he have a dentist? Does he need a dentist? To put? I just <laughs> I just want to know what he's been up to. Who does he hang out with? What wild party has he just come from? What a guy. So many thoughts. I mean, at, honestly, at first, I was like, not Wyndham catching the conjunctivitis from Thomas. Yes. Like, the... <laughs> It is rampant in Twin Peaks. Who is the mystery pillow farter is what I want to know. <laughs> Somebody is going around farting on pillows in Twin Peaks. That is a new mystery. That everybody. is the new mystery. Forget who killed Laura Palmer. Forget how do we open the Black Lodge. Who is the pillow farter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are the only ways that I know conjunctivitis can spread unless you have got, unless you are sick, like with a virus. Other than that, and mm, seemingly, awesome. I mean, uh, Eckert and Wyndham never met. So, oh, well, that's what I, I, I'm saying. The mystery, the plot thickens on it. It sure does. <laughs> Wyndham is starting to remind me of the Mad Hatter in a way, but way darker. Like he's just so kooky and off the fucking wall. And there's something about the way he was leaning over Leo that just, yeah, I was like, this dude is the Mad Hatter, but way, 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 way darker. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. How do you feel about Leo setting Briggs free? Okay, I'm going to tell you, I was very conflicted because yes. I was like, I mean, good on you, Leo. Like, I'm glad that you're doing this. But then I'm like, it's like a little too late to do the right thing now. <laughs> okay, that's I think that's Miss Tanya Tucker. Anyway, that'll go on our mixtape. <laughs> but that's how it made me feel because not only did he do that, but he also told him to save Shelly. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So perhaps a little bit of a taste of your own medicine is what it took for Leo to be like, oh, yikes, I've been a huge douchebag. And maybe the last redeeming thing I can do if it comes to that is free the major and and hope that he can help save Shelly or Twin Peaks or like whatever, you know, Garland can do in this moment. So it's very conflicting because yeah. I still hate Leo, but I couldn't, it, this this thing couldn't help but like tug on my heartstrings a little bit for him. Yes. And I, I guess like bad people can do good things, right? I sure. mean, we're full of nuances in that way, but it's just, and I wanted to ask because last week I did bring up this idea that I think it was a good thing that Leo's plan to sort of zap Wyndham, even though that wouldn't have happened. I thought it was good that it didn't work out because I don't want Leo to have any kind of redemption arc. And I totally forgot that this was coming. So jokes on me, I guess. But yeah, I also <laughs> feel very conflicted. I mean, obviously he frees the major. That's a good thing. But eh, I don't know. It is what it I guess it's a gray area, which I'm here for. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, he's still scum. So I mean, yes. like, he's going to get what's coming to him and I'm going to be perfectly okay with that. But if you're going to go out, try to go out doing something like a nice for 
that's not in your normally in your wheelhouse, I suppose. Yeah, so. yeah. And I guess it's something that he didn't set himself free. Like maybe in that act, he realized he doesn't deserve it, or maybe he was trying to stall Wyndham so the major could get further. I don't know, but it just it also just had me thinking about redemption arcs in general in TV and why why we're on board for some of them and not on board for others. Like I just, I always think about Spike from Buffy, which is a whole other conversation, but that one is one that has always worked so well for me. Yeah, so I agree. Oh, yeah. don't get me started on Spike. <laughs> well, maybe that's a conversation for another time. Like maybe that's a so. Patreon hangout conversation or something. Yeah. Ooh, my very complicated feelings about Mr. Spike now. <laughs> Norma gives Shelly and Annie a pep talk before the pageant. Oh, hey, Toad. He has become my favorite, like, person to find in the background of scenes. I just have to say that. Like, whenever I feel like it is a place where Toad might be in the background, I always find him. And now Toad is, like, one of my favorite non-existent Twin Peaks characters in some weird way. But anyway. We need, like, a Where's uh, Waldo, but for Toad. It's where's Toad? I yes. found him. Uh, Norma was twin was Miss Twin Peaks twenty years ago, and this whole scene is just cute as pie. Oh, it's so nice to see so many ladies chatting on the screen, right? I mean, yeah, they're talking about a pageant, which isn't maybe the best conversation for three women, but they also mention Laura Palmer, which is a nice little anchor towards the past, the earlier part of the show, and. Yeah, I like watching all these ladies together, so. Me too. And I know we've talked about this, but just the way that Annie and Shelly have gotten, like, close to each yeah. other. It, and, like, the way that they have that side hug when they were like, who are you going to vote for? It was just so, uh, again, I can't, like, I'm trying not to cry about it. <laughs> well, because it's very sweet and very genuine. And it's just, yes. like, it would be so easy for them to maybe have... I don't know if resentment is even the right word, but we know that Shelly is kind of like a sister or even a daughter figure for Norma. And, you know, here comes Annie, the actual sister slash maybe daughter figure of Norma. So. Spooky, spooky. <laughs> I had to. You know, it's nice to just see them supporting each other and being friends. It's so nice. It's refreshing for sure. Mm -hmm. Audrey reminisces about that jet setting love making beside the fire has been bust in with religious paraphernalia. Just what a woman who lost her V card wants to talk about. Mm. Also, hope it doesn't hurt this much in a week. Is John John packing heat? <laughs> that was my attempt to add a limerick. Okay, we'll move on. Ben gives some sage advice about time healing all wounds, and Audrey reports her findings in Seattle. Well, first of all, holy smokes. Audrey Gorgeous. in that dress? Blown straight out the way. There has you took never the words out of my mouth. Nobody has ever looked better on this show. I don't think anybody will ever look better on this show. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That dress is... 
whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, it's the dress. It's the way that her hair is styled mm-hmm. because it's not even an, a regular Audrey hairstyle. It's, yeah. It's so womanly in some weird way, which we mm-hmm. know what she just went through with John John. So, oh, my God. But oh, the way the fire just, like, illuminates, yep. like, her, just her skin and her beauty. Oh, I could talk about this for hours because she is stunning in that moment. And I could not take my eyes off of her. Oh, my word. No wonder John John had to get her in that jet. I mean, straight away. I cannot. I cannot blame him. Not one little bit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting point of what she just. I mean, she had like a momentous thing just happened with her sure yeah so maybe that maybe they were trying to emphasize that a little bit with wardrobe and and a new hairstyle or something which is fine with me I mean I I like the visual of that but it's also it's just the way she carries herself we've talked about this a number of times but Audrey really does have a great arc from season one through season two watching her grow up watching her get more confident with herself being so assertive and sure of everything and the way she lays out the information from Seattle. And it's just, it's all so great. I'm I'm really loving this character. I mean, I've always loved Audrey, but breaking things down episode by episode and watching this progression has been awesome. It's too bad that she's got Ben as a dad because listen, <laughs> I mean, the way he busts in there and he's like, I've got the Quran, I've got the terror or ter- I don't know how to pronounce I've that. It tarot. starts with a T. Well, I, I uh, know, but it's uh, t- anyway. Torah, and then he's Torah. like, Torah, that's it. Yeah, excuse me. I'm so sorry. But, you know, and then he's like, the Bible. And I was like, what is, okay, Benjamin, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, Full name. Benjamin. Benning in a big way. <laughs> I, okay, caps lock. But then Ben B. Benning again. So. <laughs> Because it's just the way he switches gears from being like, you know, somewhere in these books is the answer to being good. And he gives Audrey cliche advice, but he's still trying to be a good dad in that moment, I feel. And then as soon as he finds out that they that uh, the Ghostwood development doesn't want any bad press, he's like, oh, well, then bad press they will get. And then he twirls his mustache and does a little excellent like a la Mr. Burns. So, you know, Mm -hmm. Snidely Burns. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Andy studies the drawing as Cooper and Harry discuss Wyndham, with Wyndham eavesdropping, of course. Cooper tells Harry that Bob appeared when Josie was scared right before her death. Cooper discerns that Bob comes from the Black Lodge. Armed with the information that Bob is attracted to fear, Wyndham begins his vile plan to get his queen. He also bids farewell to Leo, a la Home Alone style. Oh, yeah. Didn't connect that, but I like that. This had wet bandits written all over it, okay? (laughs) I would love if Leo just started screaming like Marv. That would be everything. (laughs) Um, This is such a great conversation. Well, actually, first of all, I should say good on Andy. I love that he has been so dedicated to to just staring at this map until something pops out for him. Um, I don't know. I just was like proud of him in a weird way. Like, way to go, buddy. But yeah, this was such a great conversation because so many dots are getting connected. And finally, we get the acknowledgement that Bob showed up at the time of Josie's death. And 
it's like Cooper has kind of taken Wyndham's talk on the Dugpas and the Black Lodge as a power source. He's added in like his hypothesis that Bob was feeding on Josie's fear. And then he's making these really clever conclusions that I feel like only maybe somebody like Cooper could make because of that intuition that we've talked about, the experience that he's had. I mean, maybe Gordon Cole might also get there, but Coop's definitely the man for this job, right? And just because he knows Wyndham so well, too. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah, and then over <laughs> at Wyndham's cabin, <laughs> his dialogue is so good. Fear, <laughs> my favorite emotional state. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. I just like when Wyndham talks like this, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I I eat it with a spoon. I mm-hmm. love it. Yes. And in a weird way, it's like, it's not poetry, but it's, I think that's also what was reminding me of the Mad Hatter. It's like these lines that feel really lyrical in a way, but are so unhinged. Yeah. The gals are learning choreography from Pinkle for the pageant when Lana invites Dick to the storage room and seduces him. Just flick it? I literally <laughs> cannot. By George Barf. <laughs> By George Barf, yes, 100%. This pageant is an absolute mess. People are entering <laughs> at the last minute. They're only learning the choreography on the day of. I think it was bound to end how it did. Absolutely. I mean, Tim Pinkle is he, yes. Is he an Uber driver? Yes. Is he a taxidermist? Yes. Does he sell insurance? Of course. Or or uh, home care, whatever, furniture. Is he a choreographer? Absolutely not. This is not something that should be on his resume. Now let's strike that right mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs to quit doing so much. Cooper catches Diane up after his second meditation of the day in lieu of sleep. Some stuff on Wyndham, but anyway, let's talk about Annie and how she compares to Carolyn. Speak of the devil, Annie visits Cooper and asks for help with her speech. Of course, Cooper can bang out a speech with no hesitation, along with some smooth talking, and by golly, Dale Cooper, making love, he slides into home like a penguin oh. on ice. Oh, <laughs> oh Mel, so nasty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, I do like Coop and Annie, but maybe it's just because it feels so, mm, like, Vaseline filtery heart background. It's it's really sappy, I think. And I, it's it's the dialogue between them, like, the whole using the forest as a metaphor. Like, that is nice, but I think that we've done that a little too often already between them, like having these conversations that feel coded. And I kind of felt like enough was enough already. Like I was good on that. I guess a natural progression. Sure, they were going to end up, you know, getting busy or whatever. So, right. Like we can cut the, yeah, we could have cut a lot of that out and just went sh- sh- straight on home. It, it, like I said before, you know, just. Get to the point. We knew it was coming. And yeah, it would have been the end of the scene. Yeah. Like, I wish they had kind of just kept talking about the speech, honestly, because I was here for Cooper helping Annie out with that. Like, Cooper is well suited to public speaking and stuff. And I liked that they were having the conversation just normally without the codedness. But, you know. Yeah. Um, Before we move on, I did actually mean to mention from the previous scene. Did you notice the props guy? that walked by with that reindeer or whatever. Oh, yes. What the hell? 
not sure. Was that, um, I don't know. I just chalked it up to some the uh, kookiness of what was going on. It's but like, yeah, it no, it was so very hard to miss him. Heavy. And <laughs> he was also carrying it in a really suggestive, strange way. It was really, it was so weird. He was giving the pretense that it was super heavy. However, you could clearly tell that it was made of pure plastic and was hollow inside. So (laughs) maybe not that guy's finest day of acting. Okay. He went for Uh, it. He was like the, he was like the wine gurgler or gargler or whatever. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Nadine excites Mike, Dr. Jacoby, Norma, and Ed with a slideshow of her triumphs on the wrestling team. But they are really there for a therapy session regarding breaking up. Um, Let's see. Mike's buns. They are hot. There's the pageant. And she's a natural. I mean, literally, she's not thinking of Ed at all. Ed, on the other hand, tells Nadine that he's marrying Norma and something changes in Nadine. Could it be bone-crushing jealousy? <laughs> like, literally, though? Yeah, yeah. literally. <laughs> Which is interesting because I feel like so far Nadine has been so fine with all of this, and it literally hasn't phased her at all. So what what is it all of a sudden that is getting to her in that moment? I don't know. And it was very interesting to me because, I mean, she's – basically been the proponent throughout all of this for she and Ed to kind of break up. She knows what's going on with Norma and she's got Mike. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, all of a sudden when he talks about marrying her, which you wouldn't think would be the trigger for Nadine after everything that she's already said. They've already had a conversation about divorce. So exactly. So what was it that Uh, yeah like like went off in her head in that moment it's a super interesting because it almost makes you wonder which i don't think that this is correct in any way i mean how could it be but was this all like she seemed so wrapped up in mike and like living out the high school like redoing this part of her life because she you know obviously everything that she went through after the overdose right Dr. Jacoby said, let this play out. But I, it, there's been just so much talk of her moving on with Mike that I just don't understand why this would trigger her. It was very weird yeah. to me. Yeah, didn't quite get it either. Hawk finds Garland in terrible shape. Cooper and Harry try to talk to Garland, but he's visibly shaken. Thanks to the hapadapalol. Garland can't communicate. Andy continues to study the drawing. Cooper explains about the opening of the Black Lodge, and Andy asks if any of this has to do with the 4-H club. (laughs) Uh, Hapadapalol, which apparently is very potent in its odor. I mean, Uh, this was so weird that he just was like... (laughs) He's a crime-sniffing dog now. (laughs) He could get a job at the airport, okay? Like, this, like, what is going on here? I... I didn't think that he would be able to smell that. (laughs) It kind of reminded me of at Dead Dog Farm when he found the, what I guess was baby laxative and then just kind of knew that it was like, how many times has he tasted these things? How many times has he smelt Hapadapalol that like he, I I don't know, but I mean, Coop, what, always surprising, always surprising. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of great dialogue from... 
Garland Briggs here. Some stuff I don't want to talk about until later, but him asking which way is the castle, talking about the fact that the king of Romania was unable to attend, which I think is one of the funniest lines in the entire episode <laughs> because it has a great follow-up later on. Yes. Uh, and then he like he reads his own name to filth. Garland, strange name. <laughs> Judy Garland? Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, not gonna lie, I was like, perhaps I should ask about Hapadapalal because, I mean, if it's gonna put you on a trip like this, <laughs> perhaps we all deserve that once in our life. I mean, maybe it's the I, key to figuring out Twin Peaks. <laughs> true, true. But I was like, oh, Garland, I got to get you. You got to come back, sweetheart. Like, oh, gosh. It was tough to see him like that. But once again, Don Davis doing such great work with like just the shaking and the way that he's speaking and even just the way he's trying to drink the water. I mean, he's so good in these moments of like it reminded me of episode 13 checkmate when he's relaying the story of his time in the woods or whatever. And he's just he's really good in those moments. And then I like I wrote down what Cooper said, uh, an object like a door normally exists at a point in space and time. By way of contrast, a shooting star exists for us at a point in time over a continuum in space. But looking at it from the star's point of view might be an entirely different experience. And honestly, I'm hairy in that moment because you lost me, Coop. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, I'm not going to lie. In my notes, I wrote. Jasmine will explain this to me, but okay, you are, we're in the same boat because I I was like, wait a minute. It was like that math meme, you know, where it was like all of the like uh, obtuse, absolute, I didn't do well at geometry, but the acute triangles and everything. I was like, it's just all flying past you and you can't (laughs) grasp onto any of it because it's just like, what the fuck is going on? But I do like that he at least breaks it down and it is basically like, right place, right time, and we'll get the opening of the door. It was, it felt like a very abstract way to explain it, but also pretty in line with Cooper. So I was okay with True. it. True. Yeah. But it was great because even though I didn't understand it, I was so interested in it. Oh, it's, for sure. It's yes. quite the weird like situation because I was like, I have no clue what you're talking about, but tell me more. Yes. You know? <laughs> Continue. Keep going. <laughs> At the Martell Packard residence, Pete is fumbling around with the box from Thomas. Andrew must have osteoporosis because those bones are brittle, baby. <laughs> he decides to shoot the box and inside is a key. Which also, why is Pete dumbfounded that the siblings don't trust each other? I mean, mm. did he just meet Catherine and and Andrew? <laughs> I was like, maybe knowing them. Maybe it's because they kept the secret of Andrew being alive this whole time under wraps so nicely that I don't know. Cause they are a strange brother and sister duo, right? Like we've talked about the incest vibes. They seem to have trust in each other in certain ways and like none in other ways as well, but it totally tracks for their characters. So Pete shouldn't be surprised. Like you're absolutely right in that man. Andrew's rage in this scene is so relatable. <laughs> like, Absolutely. This is what I want to do to my computer every other day. It's a good thing I don't uh, uh, carry a 
pit like what what is that i call it a cap gun but it's obviously not like pistol whatever you call that oh i'm not good with guns people Mm -mm. but anyways yeah i was like wow that's what i need is the spinning bullet gun thing so So i can just unload on my computer when i've had enough (laughs) (laughs) and of course it's so good to hear piper laurie just yell a name one last time yeah course government yeah. she be government naming 24 7 this yes. lady <laughs> lover donna is a vision in red and black just kidding no i'm sorry that's no terrible. correct correct she <laughs> looks awful i'm sorry where I, are like, you going ma'am <sighs> this this was not a no Listen, if I was if i were like Catherine, i would expose my dearly loved sister because let me just i set the scene for you it is this exact time period early 90s she's going to her prom Mm -hmm. she has a dress i'm when i tell you exactly like this i shit you not except instead of red it was hot pink and it was black Ooh. Which the colors were beautiful, but it the bow. But it's the, the bow. Sleeves, it makes it so weird. It was all of it. And I was like, ooh, this is giving me my sister going to the prom vibes <laughs> and flashback city. But it's it's the anyway. hair too, though. The whole look does nothing for her because I no. don't think Lara Flynn Boyle is hideous. Like, I, no. she, she's no Audrey. She's no Shelly. But listen, like. She's not ugly. She she can rock a lot of outfits but and hairstyles. But this, yeah, this was not a good look for her. I felt really bad for her. I was like, you're not, based on this alone, sweetie, you are not Miss Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, costume did her dirty that mm-hmm. day. Um, She's still pressing the parentals about the lies concerning Ben. Getting nowhere with them, she decides to go straight to the horse's mouth. Benny boy himself. I feel like we kind of talked about this, this idea that like she feels so entitled to knowing what her parents know. And that's such teenage behavior. I mean, when she says you raised me to tell the truth and I would expect the same from you. I mean, ooh, you kind of do have a point, Donna, like you kind of got your parents there, but you're too young to understand nuances and secrets. And I don't know, like, yeah, just drop it. Secrets. I mean, yeah. you maybe understood Harold's secrets, but that was a whole different ballgame of secrets. Ooh, I, 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 yes, not even in the same <laughs> league, okay? Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> Cooper jumps on to Andy's 4-H question and makes a connection to astrology and the lodge. January to June is when the door will be open. Jasmine will explain this <laughs> further. <laughs> Garland is trying to give clues, protect the queen, fear and love open the doors, but not the queen of Romania. It's the chess <laughs> game, of course. The queen, Miss Twin Peaks. Let's just cycle through it. Andy exposes the bonsai, but also has something to say. God damn it. Listen to him. Oh, it's so frustrating when Cooper just dismisses Andy over and over and over again. I mean, it does make for a really great final line later on in the episode. But yeah. And then here goes Andy again, exposing the truth or exposing the next part of something by total accident. Right. But so on point for Andy. Oh, God. Yeah. So 
Harry mimicking Cooper's movements as Cooper is saying Jupiter being expansive and they and Harry puts out his arms and then uh, and then Saturn contractive and they both put in their hands is the most adorable thing I've ever watched. I could rewind and watch that over and over because the look on Harry's face, he's like he's getting it, but he's got to do the miming thing. And it's so perfect. This really summarizes, surmises, one of those words. Anyway, it's a great portrayal of, like, their connection in their friendship. Yes. You know, it's like Harry's really wanting to go with him, but it's like he's a beat behind, right? Because Cooper's like, expand. He's like, expand. Right. Right. (laughs) Contract. Got you. We're on the same page. He's a visual learner. He has to be doing the motions. I love this for him. It's great. He gets there. Exactly. He gets there. So, yeah, so I do have a few more astro details. Coop does get a lot of this information correct. Like, Jupiter is a very expansive planet, while Saturn is all about limits and restrictions. And the way that it kind of became that is that Saturn is the furthest planet that we can see without any other means. Like, we can see it with our naked eye. So it kind of became associated with boundaries and limits because it's the furthest, right? And a conjunction is a concentration or intensification of two or more planets' energies. And because this planetary conjunction does happen so infrequently, like I talked about last week, it can kick off new cycles or represent changes in power. And with something like this, because they are known as the outer planets versus something like Mercury or Venus being a more inner planet... These shifts are felt more on like a collective level first, and it can be about like finding meaning and purpose in the larger plan or structure, like just to give brass tacks ideas of like what Jupiter and Saturn coming together might mean. What I thought might be interesting to like explore is the fact that so Jupiter and Saturn, they are like they're the big guns of sort of astrology, I mean, and if we're talking about the traditional seven planets for sure, they're known as the greater benefic, Jupiter and the greater malefic, Saturn, which is the most helpful planet, Jupiter, and the most difficult or challenging planet, Saturn. So I hesitate to call Saturn evil, but if we oversimplify and say that Saturn brings more difficult things while Jupiter brings more ease, that is kind of love and fear, let's say. I mean, Saturn can even deal with things like fear while Jupiter brings sort of abundance, which could, Venus is more the planet of love, but we could still see love being abundance, right? Um, So I think it is interesting just in terms of that angle, like fear and love open the door. So to have those two planets be the focus of this astrological conjunction was kind of interesting. Though I do think it might have made more sense for particularly the opening of the Black Lodge if we had like a Mars and Saturn conjunction or something or a Jupiter and Saturn opposition where like those platter, those platters, those planets are at odds with one another because we're talking about the Black Lodge. But I think they probably use the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction because it is so infrequent. And so and and in history, I mean, you can read about it. It has kind of ushered in strange shifts in power and and changes in power dynamic. And I definitely want to talk more about this in the spoiler slash connection section just to explore some ideas that I was having around it. But yeah, I thought I thought I would just elaborate a little bit. Hopefully I didn't lose everybody in any technicalities there. I, you didn't lose me. Therefore, okay, I don't think you would lose anyone else. I'm the 
probably the simplest person ever. And by that, I mean, like, that is very interesting because. Yeah. Well, I love the information on on the planets and what they could represent and then how we could use it in this example of the lodge. It's it's really cool. And yeah. I love it. You know, I, yeah, like I forever, well, I say for, it was literally like I was in middle school. I went through this whole, like, beg my mother for like astrology books from the bookstore. I stayed in that section of the library. I was like learning all about planets and never came across this. If I did, it didn't stick. Just so everyone is aware. (laughs) But I love, I just love this idea of this connection. It's just, it's super interesting. and how they have intertwined it into this um, this idea of a lodge with spirits and yes. good and bad and light and dark. It's just it's super interesting. I love it. I yeah. really do. It's, I mean, it's obviously fascinating to me. I've been trying to figure out who, I mean, obviously we can look to the writers of the episode, but we know that it's more than just a single episode's writer that has come up with these ideas. I would just love to know who they talked to about the astrology or if somebody on the writing staff knew about astrology and filtered these into or infused these into the story. But if anybody listening knows like where these ideas came from, I want to know more because obviously not everything is on point, but they're getting a lot of things right, which I always appreciate. So. All right. Well, here we are at the pageant with some amazing dancing in the rain choreography. It's the early 90s high-waisted bikini bottoms for me. I mean, you just cannot get more take me back in time than that. (laughs) Margaret is in no mood for Pinkle's foolishness. Wait, two log ladies? Down goes Bobby with a hit to the head. Lucy, the splits, the baby, the talent. (laughs) Cooper and Harry show up and state that the winner must have 24 hours surveillance. Audrey and Annie deliver powerful speeches and Donna finds out Ben's her dad on a smoke break, which is very Donna. Lucy declares her unborn child will belong to Andy. Andy is crowned Miss Twin Peaks and thus begins Wyndham's evil plan. That was a bit long-winded, but I felt like I hit I had to hit these highlights in here because oh, for sure. Yeah. When when I saw that Donna was on a smoke break from the pageant, I was like, this is so Donna. It's so Donna. I mean, and actually earlier when they were learning the choreography, I don't know if you noticed, but she was sitting down in the background just having a smoke. I mean, yeah. she her MO since James left is like can't be bothered. Unbothered. Like what is that dead inside but caffeinated? I'm fairly certain that's <laughs> yes. her motto. I just love it. Like Laura dies and then she takes up the smoking and then James leaves and now she's like, fuck it all. I'm done fuck with it. Fuck it all. Yeah. No, she she's in her own world. She's doing her own thing. Whatever. She's going, she's going through a lot. She's got this whole father thing going on, which, you know, I guess it's like she figures it out by him how how should we say it? It's not like lying, but it's like lying by omission, but like truth telling by omission, I guess, in this case, like he doesn't have to say anything. I guess it's in his facial expression. It's all in what he's not saying, but it is an interesting way for the show to not fully confirm it while also having us be like, oh, dip is Ben her father. Like it was clever. Could you imagine getting the news that that Ben is your father? Mm -hmm. Nope. Correct. 
Correct. Woo. Well, okay, so let's rewind back to the big number that all the ladies are doing. And honestly, I mean, I said this pageant was a mess. I said it was bound to go down in strobe lights and smoke bombs everywhere. But honestly, I do blame Tim Pinkle because the amount of umbrellas that he had these ladies opening indoors, how much bad luck. I mean, that is just an exponential amount of bad luck. And I would also like to say that it was very in poor taste to have all of these ladies wrapped in plastic. I mean, come on. Could we even? Mm-mm-mm. You know what? I give that. Trash flag. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to mention Laura Palmer to honor her memory, but to throw it in her face like this, to just be wrapped in plastic in this way, I don't know. And then Pinkle is like hitting on the log lady. What is happening? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm here to tell you that, okay, All this season, we've been here for this sassy side of Margaret. Mm -hmm. And I was living Mm -hmm. when she was like, if you don't get your hands off me, (laughs) it will fucking bust your ass. Okay? Like, we were all Margaret in that moment. Yes. (laughs) This is just the way she pushes him off is so good. Where does she go, though? I don't know. Because the way that the way that Pinkle, like, all of a sudden, like, does a double take, it is like she vanishes. It is. Oh my gosh. Ugh. And I Goosebumps. don't I don't think it can be Wyndham, right? Because he's backstage punching Bobby in the face. <laughs> all right, listen, not the cheater brand. Okay, I was like, look, all right. I've put up with the costumes long enough. <laughs> we've had it we've had a great like laugh at it. I will not tolerate your disrespect of the log lady <laughs> with that heinous cheater brand outfit that you have on. <laughs> It's like and Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. So what you bring do your you whole family? Need, <laughs> yeah, but do you need your eyes checked, sweetheart? There, the double take. I was like, you know, damn good and well that is not Margaret Lannerman. Get over it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, I guess yeah. He thought that just everyone in the Log Lady's family dresses <laughs> the same, has the same hair, brings a log everywhere. I mean, carries a log. He was so I, dense in that moment. I thought he was maybe just blinded by those high-waisted bikini briefs that I was just talking perhaps. about. That perhaps he yes. just had the stars in his eyes, you his know? His brain got a little frazzled. He was on overdrive. That might be it. But yeah, the the Wyndham Log Lady costume was, for whatever reason, reminding me of all of these, like, imposter accounts that have been happening on Instagram where they'll just spell the username, like, one letter differently or something. So this would be, like, the log lady but with two L's or, like, L-A-U-G lady, like, log lady. <laughs> not the log lady. The not log the lady. Lo- she smokes on our front porch. That's the log lady, okay? Exactly, yes. <laughs> okay, what next? Um, We could go to D-Day. Oh God, D Day. I mean, this was this was obvious, right? We knew she was going to choose Andy. I don't know why she would ever choose Dick, but (laughs) no. And Dick seemed to be rather uh, relieved that he would not be taking care of this baby. So relieved is an understatement for sure. Oh man, and just the handshake and everything. (laughs) He was just like, okay, but also. What if in that moment Lucy had said, I choose Dick? I mean, what would he have done? He would like, would he have been like, actually, I think I'm down for it. So, Andrew, my good boy, this is all yours. You know what I mean? Probably. Like, I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So there's that. Whatever. They've got a, I mean, and he's he's very pleased, but he does need to find Agent Cooper. Maybe he wouldn't need to if Cooper had listened to him before oh at the station. What about all of the performances? I mean, I know we already mentioned Lucy's in Damn Fine Facts. That one was, I loved that one. But I will tell you, I was screaming the same way I did the first time around when Lucy was hitting those splits, though, because all I could think about was, lady, you are... In- your first trimester of pregnancy, I mean, maybe is like the scariest part because there's, okay, you know, right. you could miscarry. I don't think that that means you should stop doing, you know, I mean, like you don't want to go all bed rest for the first trimester. Right. But I was like, I'm fairly certain when your cooch hit that ground and you hit that <laughs> split, that baby was not happy about that. Okay. No, was not into it. You I mean, might have I guess wowed the like, judges, but your baby was not happy. Maybe if she was doing those splits every day, you know, since oh. before she was pregnant. If that was like a regular activity for her, that feels like it would be safe because you're just continuing to do the things that you do. But I I doubt it. I don't know. I'm going to take a guess, but. Highly doubt it. Yeah. Um, I loved both Audrey and Annie's uh, speeches, but Lana. All right. Listen. A. Ew. B, I still stand by my thoughts that this is a just a different version of the Pink Panther song that she's the, mm. the Pink Panther theme yeah, yeah, that yeah. she's dancing yeah. to. Yeah, it's I know like I said a this karaoke version. <laughs> yes, it's the kids bop version. Yeah, and I was like, I can't take you serious right now while you're kids bopping to the Pink Panther theme. Maybe I'm just uncultured, but I don't get the appeal of Lana's performance. Like. And also, there was some really strange close-ups on her face where I felt like the film quality was much different. And I don't know if it just couldn't be restored like the rest of the scenes or whatever. I mean, I, I don't actually know how any of that works, but it was so noticeable. Like, I wonder, no, she probably didn't have any kind of stunt double doing this dance for her. It's not like it was that involved, but it just looked <sighs> so different from full shot to close-up. Yeah, it did. It did. It was weird. But also, I mean, just the way that every person that had balls, I suppose, in Mm -hmm. in that place was just mesmerized by it. It would just continue on the Andy. Yeah, the lore of her. And perhaps that might have been why they chose some different like filters or way to film her in that Mm. moment. Like she was like, snake charmer like probably why they chose that like a charmer right yeah 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 but don't like it Mm -hmm. i was kind of bummed we didn't get to see shelly do anything that was a bit of a letdown i would have loved to see what her talent was or to see her you know do bobby's big speech on the stage (laughs) that was an injustice to shell justice for shelly yes hashtag hashtag and then, I mean, then we get to the big moment when the winner is going to be revealed. And it struck me that this is probably the most women. I mean, apart from the dancing sequences and like when they were learning the choreography early in the episode, but like these scenes in particular, this is the most women we've ever had just like in one shot, in one place. And yeah, it was nice to see them for the most part. There's some outliers that aren't here for Annie's win, but it was really sweet to see them all so excited for her and, you know, congratulating her. And I mean, I was kind of here with Dwayne being like, she's lived here for 15 minutes. That makes no sense. But oh, my God, that's Dwayne, not Dougie. Didn't Dougie die? Is I don't know. (laughs) Elaine Ellen. 
Doggy Dwayne. Elaine Eileen. and Dwayne. <laughs> Her name's not even Elaine Ellen. And- Ellen! <laughs> Listen, let's just move on from that. At this point, I don't know. It the doesn't Milford matter. Mayor. The Milford mayor. <laughs> the mayor. There you go. I mean, she's been with oh. both of them, so. Oh, God. Wow. But then, yeah. But then we get to the best part. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. I can't even describe what this felt like to see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Annie's crowned and then chaos ensues because the, the lights go out and then we have a lot of flickering strobe lights. It's scary because yes. the the people are, you know, like it's slow motion moving almost. But, you know, that's the effect of like the strobe lights. Uh, Nadine's knocked out. Annie's led away. Cooper recognizes Wyndham as Margaret and Ooh. off goes a bomb. And then Cheater Brand Log Lady grabs Annie and Andy tells him that it's it's a map, not yes. a puzzle. Yes. And all I have to say to this last few minutes of this episode is Ah, never was this more the appropriate. Extended version. I am so here for that. That is so exciting. Oh, what a great said, jam. Well, I said fuck this shit. If I had been in there, I would have not made it. I mean, I'm telling you, it like, is my kind of, yeah, dude, it's kind of wild that more people aren't running directly for the door right away. Like that part is confusing to me. And I guess the strobe light is enough to sort of incapacitate people mentally enough that it's it's just pure chaos. But yeah, yeah I would have been straight. Excuse me, please. I'm gonna just pack my things and leave. Like, actually, I'm not gonna pack my things. I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, no mm-hmm. thanks. Nope. Like, this shit is nuts. This is the best sequence since probably Maddie's murder in the Palmer living room. I mean, the chaos, like you said, Nade, poor Nadine gets knocked out. I mean, she's just, she is totally, what's the word I'm looking, like, she doesn't know what the fuck to do. Right. Like, yeah. she's frozen, basically. Yes. She has to, yes. She's looking around frantically. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know what to do. I mean, oh. The whole thing. Yeah, and you're right, like, the whole idea of it feeling like slow motion, but that's just the effect of the strobe light. It's a thing that leaves me breathless every time I watch it because it's almost like if you – if you blink, you're going to miss something. If you're breathing normally, you might not be paying attention or something, but it's like you just have to, like, stay – in this like stasis for uh, just a minute while you watch this happen and then you can breathe and blink uh, blink and blink normally and be a normal person again but it's just ew, oh my god it's it evokes so many emotions and feelings it's so good oh my god absolutely i mean oh i just oh like my armpits are sweating now just remembering it i and then poor Annie, obviously, I mean, like, I can't imagine, I don't, has she met the log lady? It, it, I don't even think she's met Margaret. Maybe at work, like maybe at the diner, but. But at just off camera, like we haven't seen. Because yes. it's almost like even in all of that madness, I would think that if, 
even though it's a cheater brand, it's Wyndham as Margaret. Like, if you don't know who someone is and they're like, I can take you, like, I can take care of you or whatever, you would have this false sense of like, okay, they're going to get me out of here. And then he, like, like chloroforms. Oh, or yeah, whatever. immediately. And I was like, poor How did Annie. she get I separated mean, from Doc, though? Like, that I seemed to happen not. very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a lot of mystery here, like with Margaret disappearing. I mean, like, yes, where do true. these certain very people true. go? Yep. And then, oh my gosh, uh, Cooper and Wyndham locking eyes across Oof. the room. I mean, that's a huge moment. Yeah, it's just such a great sequence. I don't know who came up with the strobe light idea. I don't know if it was always going to be in that scene, but it's the perfect thing to just create the chaos that is necessary, the panic. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just great. It's it's probably the best ending, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, obviously, they knock it out of the park once again with the ending, but yep. hands down the best ending of season two. It's not a puzzle. Far. It's a map. Uh, but listen, can we just talk about the way that it just lingers on that poor face that Andy so is giving good, as the though. I know, but he's just like, ooh. It is pretty <laughs> dumbfounded, but he's also like, why didn't you listen to me before, bitch? Like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine Andy ever using those words? No. Like, <laughs> Agent Cooper, you bitch. You should have listened, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I don't even think he would quote somebody using that language. <laughs> like, he would probably say, the B word and then told him to F himself. And <laughs> I don't even know if he would do that. He would probably say, then some colorful language. Yes, probably. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. Ugh, another oh. great ending. I can't believe it's the second last of season two, but obviously we've got some more to chat about in the spoiler slash connection section. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, maybe you'd like to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. As you know, we will take any stars, but we do prefer five. Also, if you are looking for any goodies, any extras, we have uh, video versions of certain episodes that we cover during the month, live hangouts. We've got a lot of cool stuff going on over at Patreon, and that is uh, patreon.com slash TV. Yes, a lot of fun over there. And right now we're running a little bit of a giveaway over on our Patreon. So anybody that signs up before midnight Eastern on December 31st will be entered into a draw to win one month free at whatever tier you are signed up for. Uh, and obviously all existing patrons are just immediately entered into that giveaway. So yeah, so go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash TV to win a free month. If you just want to hang out with us on some socials until the next episode, come find us on Instagram and Twitter at TV. You can also find me at DamnFineWitch and Mel's at superficial mails. Yeah. And anybody that's not coming with us to the spoiler slash connection section, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week for the season two finale. Bye-bye. And we're back in the spoiler slash connection section.
Okay, this should be no surprise, but I I don't really have a lot. And it's <laughs> mainly, well, I think I've figured out why I'm not okay. making a lot of connections is because I'm so engrossed in these episodes that even on my second watch, I'm still not taking the time to stop and think about where things can connect. That's um, fair, yeah. Just because these are so phenomenal that, and I always think about it. Like earlier today, I was like, oh, damn it. I haven't even tried to connect anything. Like, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I think this would be the, I mean, Nadine getting hit. I think this would be her maybe coming back to herself, which we'll find that out. That's not so much of, as a connection as what I'm looking forward to. But sure, yeah. But yeah, I didn't I mean, remember that it happened this way at all. I didn't either. I totally did not. So I feel like there is something, though, and maybe it'll come to me, but let's, no, let's pin that because I don't think that has anything to do with anything. Okay, you go. You go. All right. All right. Well, maybe something I say will trigger your memory, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the first thing I picked up on was when Garland is stumbling out of the woods, which, by the way, do we think Wyndham's cabin was in a valley somewhere or has Wyndham just taken a very strange route to get out of the woods? Because he was coming up from like a hill or like a ditch or something. It was strange. Well, yeah, it made me at first I was like, wait a minute, is he coming out of the cave? And I was like, no, right. he's coming out of Wyndham's cabin. Yeah. Like the very first thing I, I tried to write in my notes was Garland comes out of the cave. And I was like, delete. That's not what right? happened. Yeah. But it is, it's like it's the terrain that he's coming out of. Yeah. I don't know how else to explain yeah. that. But so he says, which way is the castle? And this immediately reminded me of the building that's in the Mauve zone that is, I guess, the Giants and Senorita Dido's oh. mansion, maybe? I love that. That's what it had me thinking about for sure. And I'm glad you said that because for me, literally all I was thinking about was that he had Queen on his mind and the only for thing sure. I could think of was castle. Well, and I tried to look up like, Twin Peaks, King of Romania, what's the connection? But there's nothing out there. I mean, people were more talking about this, like the Judy Garland stuff, the the castle connection, which I had already written down. And there was nothing that the, Romania didn't pop up in any interesting ways. But I was like, but we've got castle, we've got queen, we've got King of Romania, like it's got to mean something. But I don't know, maybe somebody out there d <laughs> dug a little deeper than I did. But uh, and then, as I just said, obviously, Briggs says Judy Garland, which Judy, Jow Day, I mean, that has to be, that has to be something that they were already thinking about in season two. Well, and I love that, the way they flesh it out in the return. That yeah. is actually, you're right. You saying that did spur what I was going to talk about. Uh, so yeah, Judy Garland, Jow Day, Judy, we're not going to talk about Judy. But also it got me thinking about, again, the Wizard of Oz concept. I know that that's Lynch's like favorite thing ever. So, but I also thought about this, this whole thought process of, is it a dream? Is it, is it mm. a reality? You know, like, mm -hmm. because he just pops that in there and I'm like, God, oh, you know, got me really thinking about, are we the dreamer? Are they dreaming? Is this a subconscious, like, how I tried to say when we were covering the return that this has all been in Cooper's mind since he was injured 
from his showdown with Wyndham. Like, what if this right. entire thing was a, a whole dream inside of himself, like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz or Judy Garland when yeah. she comes to and she's like, whoa, it just had this like weird ass, you know, trip. You were there and you were, you were there, there and you were there. And, you yeah. Know? We even saw that play out in Ben's fucking Civil War uh, plot line. Yeah. I mean, and we <laughs> could even trace it back to when Josie shot Coop. Like, maybe that's when it all started. But Oh, true. Um, yeah. But the, and there's also something interesting to consider with, like, the fact that Garland was on the Hapadapalol that Mike slash the one-armed man was using to stay away from the lodge. But it's like, I wonder if it's one of those medications or whatever, where it's like, if you don't need it, it does the opposite kind of thing. You know what I mean? So Garland doesn't need it. So would it connect him closer with the lodge stuff? And obviously like anyone that actually takes that drug, like I don't mean to like demean it or say it's like not, real or anything like that but just obviously talking within the show's universe well sure because think about it this way like if i had a major surgery and i was prescribed opioids Mm -hmm. it would it would help me with my pain right someone who doesn't have that happening to them that takes an opioid they might get high off of it or they might have the different reaction to it so that all comes into play with how a specific medication is going to interact depending on what it's used for with someone who does or doesn't need it. Right. So very yeah. good points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And then a little bit more astro stuff. So Jupiter and Saturn opening the door, it does feel like the lodge is accessible in more ways than just this conjunction. Like I don't, it's just I guess when we get to the return it feels like the lodge isn't that hard of a space to get to I don't know if that's just the way that the story plays out in the return but maybe it's just at the specific location with the sycamore trees which I realize there are 12 sycamore trees there are 12 zodiac signs which is kind of a fun little connection there so maybe from that entrance it's only accessible on every conjunction but To me, that just felt a little muddled in the end. And I was thinking it would be cool if like eclipses were the key to opening the Black Lodge because we get like four to six of those every year. So it feels a little more accessible in that way, I guess. It would be a little bit more explainable. And eclipses are often called portals. So I think that would have been a cool connection. But obviously, like, you know, nothing you can do about that. Well, I do have a question now that you've brought this up because I was a little confused when he was saying that it like from what he say from January to June right right yeah but it it felt in the moment that he was saying that in the future like towards June is when the lodge would open but was he saying that the lodge would be opening now because we are in between the months of January and June See, this is when I, I got kind of confused yes. with the whole talk because I was like, wait a minute. You're saying that it's not open yet. We know it's opening. I mean, but is it because we're in this specific time period or are you saying it's just the way that he posed it to Harry yeah. made me feel like he was going to say, OK, so when we get to June. Right. It's going to open. But we're not in June. We're far from June. So. No, it's not super clear. And to me. 
knowing that, okay, so like between January and June, maybe that's when Jupiter and Saturn are within a particular range of one another. And then somewhere in the middle of that, so let's say they were five degrees apart in January, then by probably the mid period, which would be end of March, beginning of April, they're at the same degree. And then they start moving apart again towards June, right? That's definitely not exactly how it works, but just to kind of give a a general overview, let's say. So that's kind of what I was thinking is that, okay, so them saying January to June, they're telling us without telling us that somewhere in the middle of that is when the exact conjunction is happening. And I think what we're supposed to get from that scene is that that information paired with Garland saying protect the queen is what helps them narrow down the time frame. But that's not entirely clear. And that's only from me understanding how conjunctions work outside of the show and being able to like extrapolate that information. I don't know why they changed from the original script that said tonight at midnight. Like it's a little convenient, but like who cares? It's an exact time. And that's how shows work. Like just make it be that time, you know? So yeah. So that was a little frustrating. And I thought that's why I kind of want to know who was doing the astrology research, because I wonder why they didn't go with other options that might have been more fun, a little more precise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So maybe the use of Jupiter and Saturn are a little bit more symbolic in a way. So this is what I was talking about earlier when we were in the scene. But Cooper talks about a shift in power, right? Or I don't think that's the exact quote, but he talks about changes in power dynamics, maybe. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe that's what we're seeing in the return, right? Like, Another conjunction probably would have taken place by the time we come back to the return, although in Twin Peaks, the fact that there was a conjunction in 89 when there wasn't actually one in real life, maybe their conjunctions happen every 25 years or 30 years. Who knows? But we've definitely seen that like the bookhouse boys and cherry pie and coffee have not been enough to keep the evils out of Twin Peaks. Like the the sparkle drug that was coming through that little Denny Craig OD'd on or that this f- fucking wild woman in the car with the whatever the hell is next to her that they're late to have dinner with their uncle or whatever. Uh, Red, Richard Horn, like there's so much evil. There's always been evil in Twin Peaks, but it's it's so infused in The Return. Like The Return is a cold landscape where maybe this conjunction that happens here is what shifted the power dynamic. And that's just what the result is in the return. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank you. I gotta eat that up with this. But I gotta slop that right <laughs> slop up. Slop it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I've got. Well, if that's all for this week, all of our guests have arrived. Well, the king of Romania was unable to attend, of course, but everyone else is here and ready. Oh, yes. Look, who's that? Little Linda Lanterman? Guess the log lady brought her whole family. Cue the strobe light. Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. I swear on Satan, I'll do that. Yeah. That's uh, my head cannon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs>
<laughs> and if you're watching TV, I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That's, that was awesome. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs>